In Jesus' name we have prayed. Our Father, we thank you. Thank you because we prepared once again this evening something great for us. We receive it with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we just before we take our seats all declare the word of understanding? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 If you believe what you have declared, so will be your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe, you believe it. Give me an amen. Amen. If you are sure you believe it, say another amen. Amen. All right, please take your seats as you are doing that. Bless somebody on your left. Say you will have understanding. Welcome to understanding. You are wise with the wisdom of heaven. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles. It's our school of prayer again. What are we doing? We are learning how to pray. Why do you do so much talking if we are supposed to be praying? It's because we have to use acceptable words. Because we have to say that which is pleasing to God the Father. We're not just going to utter what we like. Many people say prayers, and the prayers are not the prayers of God. They are the prayers of their own desires. Effective prayer is based upon what the Lord has revealed as the thing he wants to do. For example, when he said, all my enemies die by fire, God says, I want them to repent and come to the knowledge of truth. So no matter how much they are hurting you, your prayer should be focused on them repenting. doesn't mean God won't kill anybody. He knows when to kill. He knows who to keep alive. He says we should always have a kind heart. We should always desire that, like him, all men will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So when we pray, we should pray prayers that are pleasing to God, not prayers that we feel like praying. We are not supposed to pray the way Gentiles pray. It's one important thing Christians sometimes forget. We are not to pray the way Gentiles pray. When Gentiles pray, this is how you know their prayers. The primary purpose, that is the primary focus, are things like what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Uh, let's add modern worries to it. What's the future for my children? When am I going to build a house? When will I leave a legacy for myself? Stuff like that. That's the primary focus of the prayers of Gentiles. But Jesus said what should be the primary focus of the prayers of Christians? He says seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is, if I'm praying, the kingdom of God should be the thing that's first in my prayer. And in my life, that is walking in the righteousness of God. How am I fitting myself to God's plan? How am I walking in a manner that is pleasing to him, a manner that is worthy of him? You see, the problem we have had is that we have filled our hearts with the things that God didn't say we should fill our hearts with. We have filled our hearts with things that we shouldn't be praying about. That's number one. Number two, we have neglected to fill our hearts with the things that are real prayer points. The Bible says clearly to us concerning the Lord Jesus. He said he, that is, this was how he was saved. He said he prayed to him who was able to deliver him from death. He prayed with much crying and loud shoutings. Why? He said because he feared. That is what kept Jesus clean. It was not just because he was the son of God, but more like he knew the right kind of things to pray about. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He knew where to focus his prayers. Let's just quickly read that. We'll get back to the one we want to say today again, but let's just quickly get down to the book of Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 5, verse um, 7, it was speaking about Jesus, the high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. In verse 7, it says, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because he feared. The Bible says he was heard because he feared. That is the literal Greek. People say because of his piety. Some say because of his deep reverence for God. But literally, you find that in King James and a number of other translations, that the Bible says he was heard because he feared. What was that thing that he feared? That's the point I want to make. You know, I like one thing. Somebody, was it the person that said it? That people are more afraid. Ah, I can't remember the exact words now. That they are more afraid about their future than they are afraid about missing the will of God for their lives. That missing God does not scare people. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I can't remember the exact words he used, but it's something like that he was trying to say. That, in fact, he was saying that the cure for fear is a greater fear. Do you understand? If you fear something bigger, you will not be afraid of something smaller. That is, when Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were put before the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar, why were they not afraid of the fire? It was because they were afraid of a God that is worse than the fire. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That is, they consider that this fire, you want to you know, burn us now. In fact, because of the intensity of the fire, it's messy. When your fire is too hot, it's merciful. If you want to know difficult fire, it's the one that's not too bad. Because now they put you in boiling water and bring you out. That one is bad. Do you know why? You will suffer in hospital for a few weeks before you die. But when they put you in the fiery furnace, you don't even feel the flame. As you are going close, you don't vaporize. So it's merciful. When they want to burn, you tell them, please, I hope the fire is hot. So what do you mean? Please make it very hot. I'm a bold man. Make it hot. You want to die quickly. Because if they put you in the one that's very, very hot, you will vaporize. Before you can imbibe the pain, you have melted. Because it takes a while like for the pain to leave your skin and get to your brain. It's a conduction. And it's relatively slow. They have A fibers, C fibers, different kinds of fibers. <laughs> Or sometimes you die faster than that. Like when they dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Those in the center of the blast did not know anything happened. They didn't know anything happened. They survived the blast, if you know what I mean. You know why? It's so hot. It's like the core of the sun. They vaporized. You can't find their bones. You can't find anything. Just find space where they used to be. You know, some people say, I died. I was looking at my body down there. When they died, they were looking at the pilot flying away because <laughs> there was nothing to see. Now, I'm trying to say something. So those guys, we are threatening them with the fire that will last a few seconds. They were thinking about how do we now stand before him who we have to face for eternity. When they were going to burn Polycarp, that was exactly what Polycarp said. He said, you threaten me with fire that burns for but an hour. He said, but you are not afraid about the, for the fire that burns for eternity. How can you be threatening me to deny Jesus Christ? Your fire lasts how long? What am I trying to say? Many of us Christians, we don't have the right fears. We fear silly things. What if the country breaks? So, the country did not break. People are drowning on their way to Libya. This week, 1,000 drowned. And I laughed. You know, I don't feel sorry for them. I'm sorry. Say, Pastor, you're very wicked. Me? I'm wondering the kind of zeal how can a Nigerian... Now, if you are 
if you are Sudanese and you die, we will feel sorry for you. Crossing to uh, Europe from Libya. If you are from South Sudan, we can, that's what I mean, we can feel sorry for you. If you are from Libya, safe, we may feel sorry for you. If you are from Somalia, I will think about possibly paradventure feeling sorry for you. But if you are Nigerian, now, Tony, I go do you. You know what they call Tony? You know what they call Tony? All of you looking at me, you don't know what Tony is. Okay, yes, Dino. I do Dino for you. <laughs> I give you Dino. Because the effort it takes to get into the boat, the bold heart it takes to ride that useless boat, the, the, the drive and zeal to survive the first few years as a refugee in Europe, if you put that together and spend it in southern Nigeria, you'll be like the next Dangote. And that's not with a lot of blessing, no, just tiny blessing that God just, God is blessing somebody. No one, have you ever been where Father is sprinkling, sprinkling holy water on people? Uh, assuming that he's sprinkled like this, and one drop mistakenly fall, you understand? Assume that's how the kind of blessing you got. This kind of blessing that was not intended for you. It was somebody else's blessing, but it just fell on you. If you use that amount of blessing, Add it to this your drive, tenacity, this your intensity of purpose with which you are planning to cross to Europe and you spent it in this country. Ha! Dangote will come for your wedding. Your daughter's wedding, I wanted to say. You know, Dangote's daughter wedded. <laughs> I saw Bill Gates. I said, oh, my boy is nowhere they roll. Are you getting my word? <laughs> and I saw Bill Gates' photo. Ah! I said, money not get color. All of them are the same color. That you are white, black. If you have enough dollars, Bill Gates will come. If I have enough dollars, I can invite Mark Zuckerberg. He will come. Give a testimony after Bible study. <laughs> now, no, think about it. I look at people sometimes when I see the intensity. That's why I don't feel sorry for any Nigerian that drowns on the way to Libya. They say, oh, children are dying. I say, burn the father in hell. He's the one that made the children drown. How, and you know, the, I, you know, I hope you know the trip is not free. You know, you know the trip is not free. It starts from 1.5 million naira. Oh, you thought it was free. Oh, the guy thought it was free. Yeah, because I know why you're thinking like that. Because if I gave you 1.5 million naira, in one year I will see the difference. You buy machines that you did not know you could afford. That's why he's, he's wondering. 1.5 million, you can raise it. And all you are thinking about is, let's cross to Libya. Then you now drown on the road. And if we say, let's go and preach in the village, you tell me there's Boko Haram there. People don't love the Lord, though. If you disobey me and travel, poverty is your portion. <laughs> because God wanted to bless you, you rejected the word of the Lord. If you go through Libya, bros, you will drown. Say amen. No? You don't want to say amen. <laughs> you don't have to say amen. You are going to drown. Because the angels are watching you say, oh foolish Galicia. How can you, child of God, pay people small glass? To reach the temple of the Holy Spirit. Float from lip to where? Who's pursuing you? They are not persecuting you. Say, you know, they will not go to Europe and be telling lies. And those people say, sometimes they don't get sense themselves. Nigeria, you know, they lie to them anyhow. I feel like calling anybody being persecuted in Nigeria for religion knows where to go within the country. The, that was our friend. You were there that they won't met us downstairs. He's from northern Nigeria, a Muslim. They persecuted, he became a believer because he had the revelation of Jesus. Persecution was plenty. He came to Enugu. How can if I saw one guy, a do man, a do, a do man, you're from a do state that has been persecuted for religion. <laughs> so he ran to, is it not America or Europe? And you, ask, you know when you read the news, I'm telling you, 
So it's a refugee, religious persecution. You read the name, Osamu Diame. You are being. <laughs> Which lie are you lying to me? That you are being persecuted for religion. And of course, you know, I say, no, Nigeria, religious persecution is one of the problems in Nigeria. I say, why? Shut up. <laughs> in this our country, we don't share on well. It's Zamfara is warning you, cross to KB. They will take you there. If KB is too hot, just come down to Kano. Everybody, they can. I hope you know. In Kaduna, go to Southern Kaduna. There's no, there's no religious persecution in Nigeria that you cannot solve by traveling 50 kilometers. Yet people will run to Europe. I'll be telling Europeans that they're being persecuted. The Lord is good. Latin I say is not the joke. If you are here today and you are thinking of going to Libya, just know you will drown. Just, just sign your will. You will drown. You are not going to make it. You know why? God is angry with you. And he sent you here this evening to me to tell you that you have one, two more weeks to live. If you want to leave, don't go anywhere for two weeks. What you put? I've paid these people smuggler. I said there's no refund. Leave the money. But God said I can give you much more than you have paid them. If you settle down and work with me, in one year you'll be given offering of 1.5 million that you gave people smugglers. But if I let you leave and you float on those boats and you reach there, you will you will be in bondage for the next eight years. Living in refugee camps from one place to another, and you will never get your head straight. And you are saying, why did I climb here today? Because God does not want you to die. You came here today that I might save your life working for God. How can they smuggle you a child of God? Looking for what? Economic prosperity. The Lord is good. Uh-huh. I have another thing to say. Why are they laughing? Chooks, you are the lead laughter. Laugh, 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 Abby. What's the English? <laughs> you are the lead laugher. So I should ask you, why are you laughing? This is what I want to say. Maybe you didn't come. It's your friend is staying in your house. You came, you left your friend at home. He's going to leave here from tomorrow. <laughs> Just tell the guy, write your will. Pastor said, I won't see you again. Because he will drown. Some people are wondering, why are you cursing people? I'm not cursing people. I'm warning people. There's a difference between a curse and a warning. The Lord is good. Christians oftentimes, they don't fear the things that are right. They don't understand one day you are going to stand before the judgment throne of Christ and give an account for your life. You just run up and down. We fill our heads with nonsense prayer points. The very things Jesus said we shouldn't pray about. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? We fill our hearts with those things. And that's the reason why we don't prosper. That is the reason why we don't do well in life. That's why we don't make the right progress. Let me say something to you again. Christianity is radical. It's different. Christianity, without the grace of Christ Jesus, is the most difficult religion on this earth. Without the grace of Jesus Christ. But the grace available makes it rather easy. You take, we take his yoke upon us. His burden is easy. It's light. Why? Because he has grace that comes with it. Say grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. But if you look at it on the surface, Christianity is quite radical. Christianity will tell you things like, don't bother sleeping for tomorrow. Yeah, he says that. Don't worry about tomorrow. I was reading it again. Some of the quotes I picked from A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer said, if where you are right now is a result of your careful planning and your wisdom, Arrangement of your lives, he said, I'm very certain you are not in the will of God. Let me say that again. A.W. Tozer. He said, everywhere you are is exactly how you planned your life to be. 
Now, let me just say something. Maybe not for young people, because you have not planned anything yet. Life has been planned for you. Yes, let's just say that. You understand my point. He said, but he was just talking mostly to ministers, because it was, uh, the book is titled The Voice of the Prophet. He was talking to ministers. He said, everywhere you are, he said, exactly how you plan life to be. He said, I'm fairly certain. In fact, he said, I'm very certain you have missed the will of God. He said, because the will of God, the way it works out, you can't plan it ahead. Also, Chambers describes that what he calls the court of the passing moment. That things just happen. You plan, you build a house. Your name is Abraham. You are in awe. Then one day, you have to move. And you start living in tents. But 4,000 years later, people are still talking about you. You are called the father of faith. That's Christianity. I like to back his story. How he was in redeemed. RCCG. And he went to Pastor Yadibo. He said, this one that you come to church today, tomorrow, say, we need money for this, we need money for that. He said, pray that God will bless me. And my plan is that you will never need to ask for money in church again. And his pastor prayed for him. And you know what happened? He went to work the following week, and they sacked him. He said, pray that God will bless me financially. You know what he expected? Promotion. As pastor was praying, was receiving it in the name of Jesus. I'll become a senior partner in that uh, in, in, the, in the firm for the next 10 years. And he was thinking of many years to come. Yet that week, things began to happen. That very week, he got fired. Came back to church. Pastor, are you sure you tuned the prayer correctly? Which direction were you facing? Did you face the right mountain? And what the pastor did, he laughed. And he, he didn't find it funny. You prayed on Sunday. I got sacked on Monday. And you are laughing on Tuesday. How does it work? But the man had told him, the kind of prayer we prayed, the anointing behind it cannot keep you in that office. That, I'm adding my own words now. The answer is too big. That office can't contain it. So that's why God had you laid off, so that he could properly answer the prayer. And he told the man, go and start your own firm. And he said, there is a law against it. The number of years of experience I have is not enough. He was a young lawyer. Then he sat in his house the following week. I held broadcast. Then, uh, other Supreme Military Council, Armed Forces Ruling Council, which was the lawmaking body of Nigeria at that time. It was still military rule. And they removed the law that prevented people like him from standing on their own. And a new law was written, thereby opening the door for him to start his own firm. And the first brief he got paid him the same amount of money he used to earn in two years. Did you hear what I said? Listen, the way God does it, he surprises people. One day I was in a church, a man was praying, he said, God can't surprise me. He said, you do you know why? I'm expecting too much from him. I said, you don't know God. <laughs> Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has he entered into the heart of man. Listen, what he has prepared, you have not been able to think about it existing. You're talking about it, you're expecting too much for your counsel. That day I remember I, I shook my head. Man of God, you don't know God enough. If you do, or if you did, there are statements you will not even make. Have you ever sat in your house and expected United Nations, European Union, America to come and consult you on how they will solve their problems? Have you ever sat about the man who's talking? He has never thought about that. Have you ever thought about it happening in one week? Because you, you expect anything from God is one year, two years. You don't expect him to do anything strange in one hour. The point I'm making is that, look, God surprises people. So, A.W. Tozer said, if everything has worked out exactly the way you planned it, say, take my word for it. You have not discovered God yet. I hope you are following my point here. 
We don't fear the right things. So we fill our prayer time with what shall we eat. We fill our prayer time with have not been promoted. We fill our prayer time with my mates. We attend a group when we in secondary school, a university, whatever. Nine of them own their own houses now. I don't have mine. Nine of them have something. I don't have it. We fill our time with that. We come to prayer and say, God, when will you remember me? And when you say, what will you remember me? We are talking about material things. We set standards. The world has set standards for us. And we are trying to, you know, conform ourselves with the standards of the world. But we are not afraid of things like, the day I face him, how will I explain myself? We're not afraid of things like, one day, I have to give account of my life before the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not afraid of that. We're not afraid that he's coming. Listen to me. Jesus comes and checks on you periodically. There's a certain amount of progress he expects you to make on a yearly basis. A certain amount of progress he expects you to make, you know, season by season. And do you know he physically comes to check? There are times you enter your house, you lock the door. He passes through the wall and takes a seat in your sitting room. So let me hear you talk in your quiet moments. Let me hear the kind of things you and your wife are discussing. Not the one you say in church. The one you say in church, you've learned it. Praise God, it is well. Hallelujah, we are believing God. We thank the Lord. That one is Christianese. It's a language. Anybody can learn it. Today I learned how to speak German in a few minutes. It was a joke anyway. <laughs> Nobody was speaking, teaching how to speak German. By the time I finished reading the chat, I laughed and laughed and laughed. So you can learn languages. That's the point I'm making. Christianity is a language. You can also learn it. So Jesus said, forget the language you speak. Let me hear you talk. The Bible says, those that fear the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord heard. When they are talking to themselves, he's hearing. So he comes and sits down and says, now, let me take an account. Then he goes to your banking hall, to your bank, to the branch. Calls the account officer. Print her statement for me. Print his statement for me. And those ones print it spiritually. And the Lord takes it and starts checking it. All the withdrawals. All the deposit. He wants to know where your money is going and where it is coming from. And every year he's expecting to see improvement. Every year he's expecting to see improvement. You say one thing outside, it's not the one he's dealing with. It's what you are saying inside. The one you are acting upon. And I'm telling you, he checks on you all the time. Or do I need to tell, tell that he's checking where you go to when your wife does not know? He's checking where you go to when your husband is not aware. He's checking where you go to when your father is not there. He's checking and he follows you. Guess what? He takes a record. And he's using all those things to determine your destiny. We are going to talk in about two weeks to talk about deciders of destiny. Revealing the true enemies of destiny and learning how to overcome them. He's, he's putting all of those things together. But guess what? Christians don't put these things in mind. They don't make decisions knowing that these things are important. Like we said the other time, he will come to you, to you, you physically, that is, your physical location. And he says, where are you? And anytime God says, where are you? Now, don't forget, he never asks questions about himself. That's for his own knowledge. He's aware of it. Anytime he asks a question, he wants you to answer so you can hear the answer by yourself. He's revealing you to you in your answer. That's it. So he says, where are you? Wherever you are, he asks another question. What are you doing there? Two crucial questions about your geographical location in life. Never forget them. First, where are you? And when he says, where are you? What it means is that there is a place you are supposed to be. There is a place I kept you. How do you know where you are supposed to be? It's just answer the second one. What are you doing here? If you answer that one, you will know whether you are rightly located or you are not rightly located. 
Say, I've come to get rich. You are wrongly located. Are you getting my point? I'm looking for a safe place. You are wrongly located. I'm looking for a place where I can carefully, personally plan the future of my children. You are wrongly located. Any answer that doesn't have to do with the assignment of God for your life, how to obey him, you are wrongly located. Like I said the other time, the first people that ran to America ran there for freedom of worship. Now we run there for freedom of money. Listen, every answer is important. Guess what? He asks these questions all the time. Don't ever forget he's asking. He's checking on your progress. Now what am I, what am I saying of these things? So that's, those are the things you should be afraid of. Those should be your fears. For that reason, that should be your number one prayer point. Try me, Lord, and know my heart. Search me and know my anxious thoughts. Remember, it's not for his own knowledge. He's aware of it. It's for my knowledge. God, reveal them to me. Let me know how anxiety is tossing me up and down. That's our prayer point. But Christians are often filled with what shall we eat? Gentile prayers. What shall we drink? How do I get promoted? Seven keys for getting your boss to promote you. A whole church service. And that church will draw a lot of young men and a lot of young women. They are looking for promotion. Sometimes people give pay attention to what you are saying. It was my wife and I talking yesterday. I said, these people listen to you. I said, baby, they are not listening to me. Okay, no. It was, um, okay, it was me, uh, Israel and Chima, talking yesterday. I said, but uh, they, 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 they were listening to Pastor Banky. I said, you don't understand. They were not listening to Pastor Banky to know Christ. They were listening to Pastor Banky because our program on radio was tied to the way of success. They were looking for success. That was why when we returned to radio, I pulled the expression. Because he gave me a wrong name, motivational speaker. But I listened to myself. I said, where is the motivational speech here? I carefully explained to people about the power of Christ Jesus. But the title I felt was misleading, the way of success. When I said success, I meant true success. In fact, I have teachings titled true success. So when I said the way of success, what I call success is that if God created Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations, success is in being an, is, is an effective prophet to the nations who spoke only what God told him to speak and was not afraid of anybody, who went everywhere God said he should go. That was what I thought was success. So when I returned on radio, I removed the expression, the way of success. I turned the program to the secrets and truths of the kingdom of God. Let's not be confused here. The secrets and truths of the kingdom of God. So many people listened. They were not listening for how to obey God. They were listening for how to make money. They were listening for how to make progress. So whatever you say, they will find the keys of customer service inside it. No matter how you preach, you'll see how to satisfy customers, which are good things. They're not bad. I'm not saying because you're a Christian, you should be useless to your customers. You should be rude to them. But of course, that's not the primary thing. So people focus on God's words, learning, trying to learn all kinds of... They forget the most important things to learn. We use faith, those who were taught faith. But you know all the faith we knew? I still remember on, on campus, I would sit here, and I would eye fresh corn that they are roasting. That is, I'm standing on the first or second floor of our hostel, and I'm watching across where those women lined by the road and they are roasting fresh corn. And to prove that I have faith, I'm calling corn to live where it is. <laughs> cross the first road, cross the footpath, climb the stairs and come and meet me where I am. Why? Because I learned that you call those things that be not as though they were. If you speak to this corn, be thou removed and transferred to my front. And you have faith as a mustard seed, it shall obey you. I mean, Jesus said mountain. I'm speaking to only corn. I mean, the Lord Jesus said mountain. So I said, if I can't move corn, how will I move mountain? So we'll stand there and be claiming corn to move. I remember this day because I was angry. Corn did not come. 
I was angry with the Lord. Why didn't you honor my, honor my faith? I wish I could, he could have opened my eyes. He would have seen that I'm about to honor your kidney. Childish <laughs> things that your own children can't ask you for. You're asking me for it. Do you have money? Yes. Anything wrong with you walking across? No. Because God had given me money. I could see the corn. I could walk over there. I could buy it. So the Lord is looking at me and saying, what more do you want me to do? But you see, you don't blame me alone. You blame me, my teachers, my foolishness, everything. Because without faith was about claiming, claiming this, claiming that, claiming this. We did not know faith was primarily for every time I speak. People can't rely on what I say because my words are not accurate. So what is faith for? First, I use faith to make sure I never tell lies again. I didn't, we didn't realize that. That faith was not how to get money. Faith was to tell money, my life does not depend on you. That was the primary assignment of faith. We did not understand it. That faith is not, I can claim a million. No. Faith means that even if I don't see a dime in a year, I will be okay. That's the primary thing of faith. Not that I speak right here, I speak a million to come. I speak a million, I speak a million, I speak a million. People get also a seed. If you want God to bless you by next week, you bring 10,000 naira today. In two weeks, the Lord will do something strange. Nobody has ever sown a seed that, Lord, I want to sow a seed for contentment. So you don't see anybody, you know, putting, you know, somebody will say, okay, give, give God something that will pain you. I like the way our brother did it. He said, the pastor did not do that. Money can't pain me. He didn't know the level. He said the only thing that could pain him was a python that he killed by himself. And he skinned it. And removed the snake skin. He loves crazy things. <laughs> So they say, give God something that will pain you. So you look to the left and the right. Say, money can't pay me. But this animal I hunted, and I have the snake skin decorating my wall. Thank God for Jesus Christ. That guy will have been a Dibia. <laughs> so he went and took it, wrapped in an envelope, and dropped in an offering, offering basket in an African church. <laughs> Let me not say more than that. If you are the one counting the offering, you open like this. <laughs> An average usher has gone home. Did you, did you count the offering? My spirit said, go home. I perceived in my spirit, the Lord doesn't want me to be the one to count today. Why? He saw snake skin. He said, that was the that was, no, it, it was so precious to him, he felt like crying. Do you understand? Now, but you know, we like to sow all kinds of seeds. What, what is it for? To get a material harvest. How many people have sown seeds and said, Lord, this is my iPhone? Is it 10 or X? What do they call it of the two? You're not sure? Okay. iPhone 10X. I bought it last week. It's, uh, I bought it for 500,000 naira. It's 512 gig. Lord, I'm putting the offering basket to show that iPhone does not control my life. I am going to be without WhatsApp or Facebook. I'm going to be with the Holy Spirit for the next three months. So that I can receive revelation from above. I'm asking grace for me to understand that my life does not consist in the abundance of what I possess. Nobody does that. Anytime we give money, what do we expect? God multiply it. I have seen people, Lord, that love their wife so much or honor their husband so much, like Sarah, that in speaking to the husband, they use the word sir. They were not trying to form. That was how much love Deep, that is this respect they felt from the inside, from their, inside their soul. But I'm, I'm a rebellious girl. I was born in a rebellious community. That's what Isaiah said. I'm a man of what? Unclean lips. Living amongst what? People of unclean lips. That's what he said. So it's not your fault alone that you are rebellious. 
I told you I was in class one day. I was teaching. I just said in passing, I said, I don't know why you women just be arguing with their husband. They can't. One girl, she didn't know when her hand went up like this. She started arguing with me. <laughs> what I'm telling you is not a joke. I was trying to explain a particular principle. The girl had, no, her hand had come up to her waist like this. Posed like, like, get real, guy. What's going on there? You know, she was, ah. I said, look at this one. She wants to even fight me. Her lecturer. That's how much rebellion she learned from her mother. Do I need to tell you? You have to have learned that thing from somewhere. Because she didn't think about his reflex. Ready for a fight. You say, I'm a rebellious woman. I'm living amongst rebellious men and women. The men, by rebelling against God, that's how they teach rebellion to the women. The point I'm making is that that has helped me to get to what I'm trying to really teach us today. So I look at that. I say, God, that's a prayer point. He said, Lord, make me like Sarah. Why? I have seen in the scriptures. That's how it's supposed to be. The man reads, make me like Jesus Christ. If I do what the Bible is saying I should do with my wife, you know, they are going to call me woman rapper. My father would disown me. He won't be sure of the, the kind of person that I am. Who's, who's my true father? One of our brothers said one day in their house, they had a party. His father was a big man. So his father called him, hey you, let's assume the guy's name is Mike. His name is not Mike. He said, Mike, have you taken a drink? Mike said, yes, daddy. He said, it's not true. He said, okay, what did you drink? He's not Fanta. What did you drink? He's not Coke. And they are Niger Delta people. <laughs> so the man shouted in front of everybody. He said, this boy is not like me at all. He doesn't drink. Hmm? He, do, he drinks Coke. He does not drink real drink. In fact, he doesn't even have a girlfriend. In front of his friends. He said, at least he has never brought one to show me. Was, that is, denouncing his son in front of everybody for being born again. <laughs> it was a big joke on campus. The guy, in the, big man, Niger Delta man, looked at his son and said, this boy is not like me. He does not drink, he does not womanize. And he says, he's my son. There are people that say, if I treat my wife well, that's how my father will react to. It may sound like a joke. Some people are under some kinds of pressures. You open bank account, next of kin, your father finds that is your wife. Don't forget he has been married three times. So he understands why you cannot put your wife as next of kin. <laughs> your father understands. You know your father is not an example of marriage. Your father is David. <laughs> but listen, we come under some of these pressures. That's what I'm to make. You want to obey the word of God. That is your prayer point. That's what I'm talking about. Your prayer point is not, eh, you know, me too, I need to have a million. In the name of Jesus, I, I, I claim a brand new car. In Jesus, I'm tired of Tokumbo. Father, you know, Tokumbo is not my portion anymore. I've been driving Tokumbo for the last seven years. Father, it's about the time that your child begins to move up. I'm a child of a king. Kings don't drive Tokumbo. You know, there are scriptures we quote. Jesus will be wondering. <laughs> because, you know, it, is, it sounds right to the common mind. Do you understand? It sounds very right. Except that Jesus says clearly, we don't take our standards from the world. That's a worldly standard. He said, you know the kings of this world, they lord it over them. But you, that is you are not supposed to be like that. He said, man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Jesus was a king, yet he was born in the house of a carpenter. What is the big deal? It sounds like common sense, you know, like I'm a king, I cannot be driving to Kumbo. God said, let me decide. That's not your decision. My kings can drive anything. 
they stoop down and wash their servants' feet. That's the kind of a king that follow me. Because inside of that kind of prayer point, why don't you just get up and thank the Lord? They can call it any name, it has served me well. That's a better way to talk. Thank you, your grace is upon my car. It has been a blessing to me. It has been a blessing to my friends. It has been a blessing to people around me. Some of the things we call faith is nothing but grumbling. What is prayer for? Prayer is, God, teach me what? Contentment. Now, let's get it clear. I'm talking about prayer. The main prayer points God gave us is what I'm talking about. Do you know if you fill your life with this prayer, you know what Jesus said? Things you did not know you needed, I will add them to you. Unfortunately, we have learned, ah, we learned faith that only claims, neg- look, that is material things. Because my faith that I'm teaching you is to claim godliness. Is to use that faith to uproot worldliness, covetousness. Every, that is, is by faith. You know, the only time, you know, I mean, there are people who say they, I used to smoke, then when they become believers, because we Christians will put pressure on them. Do you know that? How can you be a Christian and you are smoking? So, do, you know what? Almost all of them, Use faith to stop smoking. Are you not aware of that? What he gave us faith for is what I'm talking about. So you find a Christian that used to smoke. I've heard, I heard the testimonies all the time. They use faith to stop it. You see principles of, principles of faith. If I pass up what you will tell you his testimony. How he stopped smoking <laughs> by faith. Because before he gave his life to Christ, he was smoking. And smoking, cigarette smoking is addictive. And he learned faith. He began to use faith to what? Stop it. And it worked. But guess what? Many of us don't realize they were supposed to use that same kind of faith to stop loving money. We're supposed to use that kind of faith to throw away our personal ambition and wait for the plan of God for our lives. Yes, that's what, listen. I'm talking about what prayer is for. If we will not pray the way Gentiles pray, but we still must pray. Men ought always to pray and not to faint or get tired. So what will he be praying about? Why we easily get tired is that we are praying about food, food, food. Promotion, promotion, promotion. Material things all the time. But if we realize that a lying tongue is an abomination to the Lord, yet you still tell lies. A believer in Christ Jesus, for that reason you wake up in the morning. Father, I thank you because the seed of Christ is in me. I don't tell lies. My yes is yes. My no is no. My yes is yes. My no is no. Give me grace so that even under pressure, I will speak the truth. Lord, give me the grace. I know Jesus could never have been tempted so much that he would tell a lie. No matter the pressure, he would tell the truth. I have the spirit of Christ in me. Today, therefore, I approach the throne of grace. I receive grace. I receive mercy. I obtain grace in the time of need. I go out today. No matter the pressure, I will speak the truth in the name of Jesus. Is that not prayer? Then throughout the day, I'm confessing. I have the spirit of Christ. I walk in the spirit. I do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You know, if, <laughs> if we feared the right things, remember he was head in that he what? He feared. He was head in that he feared. This is what we get taught a lot of times. I don't worry about it. Children of God, in quote now, I'm not saying we should learn worry, but in quote, worry about it. Every level of iniquity is shortchanging your destiny. No matter how little it is, every form of iniquity is shortchanging your destiny. It's taking away from what God wants to do in your life. That's a matter of fact. It's taking something away. It's unplugging your destiny. It's making you short of God's glory. Fear. If every time you talk, you say things are not reliable, just know that a bit of your destiny has been tossed into unreliability. Take it like that. If loss is your problem, say this is the reason why I won't live as long as I'm supposed to live. Remember David. 
Say David was a strong man. At the age of 70, he was described as old. His ancestors were never described as old as 70. Abraham was called when he was 75. Jacob lived past the age of 120. At the age of 85, Caleb was commanding a battle and winning. Before he was 70, David went to war. And one Philistine wanted to kill him. And his men came to block. And they said, you are too tired to go to war. At that same age, Caleb was still jogging. Warming up for when they really set to so he can collect his own. He was jogging on the beach every day. Teaching young boys how to do sword fighting. <laughs> and Caleb, guess how he was feeling? He was feeling 40. At the age of 80, he was feeling 38. At the age of 85, he was feeling 40. Came to Joshua, rolling his sword. Josh, chop noku. How far? Can I go and take it? <laughs> Say, who's commanding? Say, who else will command? Say, my strength is just as it was 45 years ago. For going out, for coming in, and for war. Yet, their descendants, David, he had donated his strength to women. At the age of 70, Bros was tired. Why am I telling this story? It's a spiritual principle. It's there till today. Lust finishes the destiny of believers. It removes the anointing. If you see any man walking in lust, who's a millionaire? God said he will have been a billionaire. Now why is he in this level? Because sin had removed him from the level of glory I determined for him. He's now short of God's glory. That's what they call fear. So when you find any form of unrighteousness in your mouth, in your life, you fight it. You say, this thing is going to end my destiny. I will finish it before it finishes me. When you say, I will pay you tomorrow, and one week later, they are still waiting for the pay. It is not that money that is the problem. It is your destiny that is delayed by one extra week. And if you go and know the Bible well, it's not one week. Oh. It's usually multiplied. Israel went to spy for how many days? How many th- days did Israel go to spy? Answer me now. Okay. How many days did the representatives of Israel go to spy? Twelve, twelve spies. How many days? Forty days. Anyway, they went to spy for forty days for those who don't know. And everybody believed the evil report that they brought. And how many days were they judged? 40 days times 360. That was the number of years they counted those days. They were judged. You know what God said to them? One year for one day. That's where I'm going. When God wanted to judge, he said one year, one day. He said 40 days you were spying, 40 years you'll be roaming in the wilderness. Every time you lie with your mouth and postpone your responsibilities, you are postponing the arrival of your destiny multiplied by a certain factor which we do not know. May it not be one year for one day. No, there are breakthroughs that God has postponed for 35 years. Yes, I'm not, and the life of Christians, I don't preach to unbelievers. Who has time for unbelievers? My preaching is for believers. God has postponed. <laughs> so that guy's destiny, push it forward. So um, Gabriel will say, Lord, that we have pushed this forward. He's not going to manifest when he's 115 years old. 
God said, that's good. He said, but Lord, last week he said he's going to die at 60. <laughs> so live on like that. Let's see whether his children will learn the lesson, will bless them with the blessing. There are people that will die before the arrival of their destiny. Not a joke. That is why he said fear. That's why he said fear. That's why he said he was heard in that he feared. That Jesus realized that, listen, one day of iniquity has canceled the generation's plan for salvation. So every time he feared, he sustained righteousness with prayer. Not food. He wasn't grabbing food with prayer. He was sustaining righteousness. I may be tempted, but I will not walk in sin. The grace to live above sin. Because he came to live like a normal person. And the Bible says he was tempted in all ways as we, yet without sin. The principle of without sin is what I'm talking about. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom of God. So when churches call prayer meeting, it is right to say, tonight we are praying against covetousness. Everybody begin to declare, I am not covetous in the name of Jesus. I am not covetous. My life does not depend upon what I have. I have the grace that was upon Paul, who said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does he mean? When did he say it? He said, I, I can bear abundance, I can bear poverty. And I'm declaring it. It's not whether I feel like it or not. I'm teaching myself. Having said that, God will not take you to trials. There will be this particular, you know, Christmas is coming soon. I know a lot of us, this is the time we we'll go to show. <laughs> there are people who buy cars in June. They won't drive it till December. They will pack it and be worshipping it every day. What is worship? They will pour libation, water on the car. Clean it. Then cover it. Of course, no dust is, dust knows how to grow in strange places. They will call, how does they take this motor? They open it again, they will clean them again. Why? The blessing God gave him in June, he has to drive it in December to the village for everybody to see that God has finally blessed him. And you know God is good. Somebody say amen. amen. When you have finished praying that prayer, God say, fine. Rattles, rattles. Oh, correct, sir. That's Gabriel calling a rodent. Help me go to his brain box, chop something. <laughs> so you see one little rat climb on the tire, climb on the axle, climb into the... Into the the angel will say, wait, not there. Chop here. The rats will get there, chop something. You know, you've been cleaning the car. The next week, we are going to the village. Today, you go, click, bush, No, 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 it's a battery. Oh, the battery has run down. The angels are looking at you. Run down. You'll see what has run down. you bring a new battery. Click, click, bush, Bring another battery. But you, you wire three batteries together to start one car. Now finally call the mechanic. He goes, look left, look right, look center. He will change plug, change this one. Finally, they go and get some, get, go and call Udejuku. Ude will now come with his computer, plug it to your car. Look, look, look. Say, oh, God, I think the broom box is dead. He said, no problem, let's get a new one. He said, you bought a rare model, American model brand of this car. Call Lagos. Lagos said, ah, they're not get. We have a shipment coming, it's arriving January 6th. Oh, God has set you up. So pack the car. You pack it. You will think six months of not driving. It can't go to the village. It's God that's helping you to cure pride. 
worldliness. You thinking the man's life consists in the abundance of what he possesses. And God said, I won't repair this car, don't worry. You will go home with, with, with peace. Peace will stop at the junction of your village. Then one of your cousins that's doing keke business will do three trips to carry you and your family and all your goods into the village, Gongo. And you will arrive when all your mates are having meeting. <laughs> it's God. That, God knows how to do his children. And guess what? If you grumble, if one small bit of grumble come up for your mouth, it will happen again next year. So God said, you, will, you won't arrive at night, you will arrive at 12 noon day with rejoicing, and you won't tell any story. I want to wipe this confidence you have in material things from your brain. Because if you don't remove it, your destiny will not arrive. I know what God does, very funny. If you go, <laughs> the best way you don't laugh at yourself. Go and confess your sin. He says, confess your faults one to another. <laughs> Come to your friend and say, oh boy, foolishness, deal. <laughs> say, what foolishness? Say, six months I bought this car. I was treating, I was treating it gently like this so I can use it to go and shine. But God has removed the shine. So I've repented. I don't do like that again. When you laugh at yourself. January, the chiku will come back again with the computer. He said, please, I forgot something. That's how angels work. So why did you forget? I forgot to use the latest um, software to diagnose, to diagnose your car. I was using the other one. I forgot that your model is not that one. So let me recheck it. He will recheck it and find that there are two hidden fuses that are blue. And the fuses are found in coal camp here. Each fuse is like 200 naira. It's a rare fuse, so the other one is 350. You should buy two of them, 550. And he says that because you are his brother, anything you give him, he will take. <laughs> you know, you will look and look and look. When God wants to deal with you again, you will talk to him. Say, what's wrong with yourself? Then God knows this boy has not learned. <laughs> but if you understand, you just laugh. Say, so my brother, it's not your fault. It's the angels that put the wrong software because they said this car is not going anywhere. But once you repented, they decided to just wipe the whole thing away. That's why I don't believe in this story of God cannot change the past. He does it all the time. He has rewritten the past. And how did he do it? He changed the, the, the software in the computer, rearranged all the stories. So now he's telling you a new story. That, oh, sorry, I, just, I upgraded my software during the break. And I found that I was using this wrong one for your car. Look, all of that is a rewriting of a story to satisfy what God is doing in this particular moment. Listen, if you did not learn the right lesson, eh? that same man will show up, retain his first diagnosis, you will find the, the brain box that the one that the rat you know, shunted for you. You will pay 1.5 million naira for it, and the car will never be the same again. It will work, but just like the one you reach one red light, you press brake like this, glass will wind up. As I tell you something, they stop trying to solve a spiritual problem with material maneuvering. Your money is not enough, you are going to start a new business. Because you think business is your problem. It's your attitude towards money that's the problem. You know, God said, they will gather, I will scatter. So, because it's not gathering, you can't go and gather more. You have to ask yourself, why am I being scattered? Why are my things being scattered? That is what prayer is about, people of God. <laughs> hey, let's not focus our spend our time. Oh, no, I need more money, I need more money. God, oh, you don't need more money. You need more faith. You need more patience. You need more endurance. You need more love, like we were preaching last time. You need to think more about how your life is being a blessing to other people. 
I give everybody an assignment. Just imagine that Jesus has showed up, that Jesus is showing up next week. Let's put it like that. Let's assume Jesus is showing up next week, Friday. And you have to give account of your life. Do you think he's going to ask you the kind of shoes you wore? The quality of clothes you wore? How many countries you traveled to? You think he's going to ask? I mean, you see all the mountains I created? When God wants to see mountains that he created, he does it like Moses, into the sky. He will touch the whole earth in one day. That's what he did to Moses. He's not going to ask you all of those things. Many of these, you know, that's what, you know, Christians sometimes, we live as if we don't believe we have to answer these questions. Believe me, people of God, one day is actually going to come and really ask you. Just imagine it's coming next week, Friday. No, this week, yes. Okay, today's Tuesday. I thought today was Saturday, yes. Today's Tuesday. Just imagine it's coming on Friday. You have just about four days to prepare. Just say, what am I going to write? Two things that I keep on saying. There are two kinds of things he asks about. Just two. One, he makes demands on righteousness. I was here last year. Are you still lying the way you were lying that time? Are you still as undependable as ever? Are you still afraid of being known to be a believer? Those are the things he asks for. He makes demand. I ask you, how much righteousness has developed inside your soul? That's number one. Number two, uh-huh. I gave you life to be a blessing on the earth. Just, we talked about it last year. He's going to ask you because he comes at that periodically. Between that and now, how have you rearranged your brain? Rearranged your life so that you're actually a positive influence on the earth in people's lives rather than running up and down looking for where life is good. You see, sometimes when I see questions, make decisions, Christians make decisions, I ask myself, don't they think about this? Don't they think about this? Don't they think about this? What are they reasoning about? You think Jesus is going to care whether you have constant power? He's going to care about what you did with it when it was constant. You think he wants, he wants to care about the roads in your neighborhood, they are good? You want to take pride in my children's school, they are computerized learning. You can plan the future. Look, you know, they're, they're, they're in first grade, but they already know when they will graduate in 12 years' time. They are that organized. And Jesus will say, what is their curriculum? Show it to me. And you will not be ashamed of, of their curriculum on sexuality. But you see, Christians take pride. Like I always say, you just know they don't believe anything. They don't believe Jesus is coming again. They don't believe they have to give account of their lives. They are pretenders. They are not true believers. Because if they were true Christians, ha, there are things they will hold dear. There are certain kinds of fears they will have. They will be afraid. How do I explain to Jesus about this? Do you know, every time God gives me something positive in life, I always ask, how is this improving productivity? There were times I used to, I used to do a lot of editing of messages here. I will do uploading. So radio stations, little by little, Israel will say to me, Pastor, I can do that. Then he will take it. He will come, Pastor, I can do that. He will take it. Then one day, Chuck explained to me that, that, look, I can handle this magazine. Look, as each of these men were telling me things, they were donating more time to me. And I would tell my wife sometimes, okay, so what am I doing with the time? If the number of sermons and books I produce do not increase, then their presence in my life, in my life is wasted. That's why I can afford to preach now. I do an average of more, more than four a week. Different days now. And I still will live long. I still have rest. I don't have a headache. Why? Because things that used to keep me awake before. God has sent people into my life and they have removed them. So it's not a sign of, I'm not a big man. No. What the Lord is saying is, now, I demand productivity from you. 
in areas that only you can do. Do you get my point? Israel is not going to write your sermon. Okay, Monty won't write your book. So those things, settle down and do them. Now you are more available to be in more places preaching. No, God has given me a lot of, look, uh, me, I'm blessed though. <laughs> those days. I used to go to mechanic. Now when I see men going to mechanic, I'm wondering, why would you go to mechanic? Mechanic comes to me now. Praise the Lord. Uday <laughs> <laughs> will tell me, sir, you are due for servicing. Are you free this week? I said, okay, tomorrow. So I'll be in your house. 7.30 in the morning, has come collected the car. The daddy was telling my wife, can I borrow your car? Uday has taken my car. Then I said, Shayun, please. He said, no, the car is downstairs. Ah, he has brought it back. I don't know when last. I have not smelled engine oil in a long time. Who says I'm not blessed? That's what they call blessing. I, I've looked at myself. I'm tremendously blessed. But this one I'm making. You think that's what God is checking? <laughs> no. Say, now that I have, you don't go to mechanic again. I don't even know the price of soap. I'm not kidding. Tissue paper, I don't know the price. So I don't even know how much my children pay as school fees. I'm not joking. No. My wife would just tell me, it's school fees time. This is a total. How many people will go to school? Banky, very good. So what is the result? I gave you all of this ease. Not so they can come and be feeling wife. You're feeling tough, James Bond. No. I expect to see more sermons and better sermons. I expect to see more seminars and better seminars. I expect to see more teachings. Release the word. Pump it out there. I have removed the stresses from your brain that will have prevented the communication of my spirit with your soul. So I expect to hear purer words from your mouth. You don't have worries. I've put people around you to remove all these troubles from you. So when he's giving an account, his own is a thank you. Last week I pumped him a sermon into your head. Have you developed it? Because I was reading, maybe I'm reading the book of Nehemiah. Someday I get a new understanding. And God is saying, take paper. There's no way you're running to. People are helping you mass scripts. People are helping you edit. Are you getting my point? People have collected your car to take to the mechanic to go and repair. You don't have any problem. Except for the ones you created for yourself. Oh, some people create their own problem. You know that. So they'll be lacking things they don't lack. Go now sit down one day and say, oh, yeah, I put all these things around you. Why am I saying all of these things? People are running up and down looking for good road. <laughs> no, I must finish my testimony. When God gave my wife and I a house where we live, nice, our personal property. Bishop begged me to come and inspect. I said, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not an architect. I'm not a builder. He said, okay, come and see where we have reached now. I said, Bishop, when did I become a professional architect? They finished the house. I'd only been there five times. And it's just five minutes drive from my house. Each of those times, I was taking somebody there. I asked Bishop, he's sitting down here. He will say, sir, we have reached here. I said, congratulations. I'm going my way. You won't come and see? I said, oh boy, if I come and inspect the house they are building, will you do the preaching? No, sir. So do your job. Me, I'm going to, <laughs> going to preach. I'm telling you, finish the house to you can leave. It was fine. Later in, like, okay, please, look at the paint. You like? That was, that was when I started going there. No, in fact, they were parking it. They were moving chairs bit by bit. I had only been there five times. Five, ask him, me and him with Sana will count when last I came. My logic was simple. You are the architect. You are not the preacher. 
Why do you want to give me your job? Have I ever done, have you ever done my own for me? Have, you, have anybody ever come here? Say, Bishop, we say, okay, Philippians chapter 5. Say, <laughs> division of labor. This is what I'm trying to explain to you. God has put, you know, help around you. He has put constant power around you. For those of you who are looking for constant power. His question will now be, what did you do with it? Is that productivity he's looking for? Let's start. I want us to pray. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's going to look for. Prayer is not to feed. I have money. I need an extra car. I want to build. That's not prayer. Prayer is God. Everything you will ask for when you come to check up on me. How will I answer you? Help me to answer you rightly. That's it. Help me to answer you rightly. That's the prayer. Let us pray. I want us to pray and be out of here in the next 10 minutes. As I was speaking, God was speaking to you. So respond to those things. Say, Lord, first I renounce this focus on what I shall eat, what I shall drink, with what will I clothe myself. Say, Lord, I renounce it. I renounce it. It's no longer my prayer point. I seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I am not running up and down looking for what I can get. No, my prayer, Lord, is perfect holiness in me. That's my prayer. Make it a prayer. Touch my lips. Remove uncleanness from my lips. You know that was what Isaiah started with. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Dwelling amongst people of unclean lips. Very important. So what did he now say? The Bible says that God now took a tongue, you know, you took a tongue, you used, picked a coal, hot coal, and touched his lips. Now pray, say, Lord, touch my lips. It's very important. Say, Lord, touch my lips. Touch my lips. Remove every line, every impurity, everything that is not clean. Lord, remove it with your hot coal. Lord, hot coal, remove it from my lips, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, remove it. He said, one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Say, Lord, do that to me. In the name of Jesus today, I want to speak only that which is acceptable to you. I want to speak only that which is acceptable to you. That is my prayer. My prayer is purity. It's for purity. My prayer is for righteousness. My prayer is for perfection of holiness in me. He said, cleanse yourself of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Say, Lord, that's my prayer. The cleansing of myself from every defilement of flesh and spirit. Today, Lord, I renounce every lust, every anxiety. Because sometimes people think there's all these things that they call sin. Anxiety is a sin. Worry is a sin. Pursuing your own agenda is a sin. Worried about tomorrow is a sin. Say, Lord, let me know you are in charge of my tomorrow. So that I will not worry. Say, Lord, that's my prayer today. Take a coal, a burning coal, Lord, and touch my heart. Burn away every worry. Today I come to you and say, Lord, burn away every worry. That's my prayer point. I've not come today to ask you for money. I've come, Lord, to say, Lord, let me understand in reality that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Say, Lord, that's what I'm asking you for. That's what I'm asking for. So that I will understand contentment. Lord, I want to understand contentment. I know you will walk in me. My future is already secure in you. Help me to know it. Help me to understand it. Say, Lord, help me to know it. 
Help me to understand it. That my future is already secure in Christ Jesus. Help me to know that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say, Christ, I receive your strength. You strengthen me. You strengthen me also. You strengthen me also. You strengthen me also. I will not run up and down. I will wait for your blessing to come to where I am, where you have placed me. You say, where are you? You say, Lord, I'm where you have kept me. Let me be located where you have kept me. In the name of Jesus. Pray to the Lord. Move me to where I'm supposed to be in this season. Move me to the place of assignment. Move me to the place of righteousness. Move me to the place where you will come looking for me. And when you say, what are you doing here? I will have two answers for you, Lord. I am perfecting holiness and righteousness. And I am fulfilling the assignment you have given to me. Let those be my words. Let the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you. That is the prayer point he gave us. Those are the prayer points. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, let pleasing you be paramount in my heart. Teach me what is true fear. What a man, what a woman of God should be afraid of. That's what I want to know. Teach that to me, my father. Don't worry about your enemy, people of God. God will take care of those things. Don't worry about lack. The Lord will take care of those things. Listen to this. Don't even worry about sickness. You are healed in the name of Jesus. Yes, you are. You are. You are. You are free to serve God. He has set you free to serve him. Just make serving him your focus. And all other things will be added to you. Make serving him your focus. And every other thing will be added to you. Let's give the Lord thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Just begin to give him thanks. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you because you have cleansed me from my sins. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget any of his benefits. Say, Lord, thank you. Because you have cleansed me from all my sins. He has forgiven you all your sins. Give him thanks for that. He heals all your diseases. Say, Lord, I thank you because I'm healed. I don't care how you feel. Say, Lord, I thank you. The Bible says that he has healed all your diseases. Listen, he has redeemed your life from the pit. Give him thanks for that. Say, Lord, I thank you because you have redeemed my life from the pit. Thank him. That he has crowned you with loving kindness and compassion. Say thank you because you are satisfying my years with good things. My youth is being renewed on a daily basis. Thank you for you are performing righteous deeds in my life. You are performing judgments for me. Thank you because you are revealing your ways to me the way you revealed it to Moses. Thank you because you are compassionate and gracious. Say Lord thank you for being slow to anger in my life. For abounding in loving kindness towards me. Thank you Father. Thank you because your anger against me has been removed. Say, Lord, thank you because you are leading me in the path of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, you are leading me in the path of righteousness for your namesake. Give him praise. Give him praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Before we close, just say this after me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I am born again. I am renewed. All things have passed away. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am dead to this world. I am dead to this world. I am dead to sin. The world has been crucified to me. Sin has been crucified in my life. I am alive in Christ Jesus. I am alive to God. I am alive to righteousness. I am alive to holiness. 
I'm alive to the will of God. I am walking in the will of God. Every stumbling block is removed in the name of Jesus. Every impurity in heart, every impurity in thought, every impurity in flesh is removed in the name of Jesus. Say it, I walk in holiness. I walk in righteousness. I walk in the will of God. Say, I am cleansed from every defilement of flesh and spirit. I am perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Say, the assessment of Jesus concerning my life is paramount in my heart. I will walk to please him. I will walk to hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. That is what I want to hear when Jesus comes. That is paramount in my heart. Say to my soul, I say to my soul, do the will of God. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. God is in charge of your tomorrow. Soul, rest. You are speaking to yourself now. You understand that? So talk, call your own name. Say soul, banky, rest. Rest in God. Rest in God. Wait patiently for him. Say it again. Rest in God. I say to my soul, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I say to my soul, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Now say it in the name of Jesus. I will always trust in the Lord and I will do good. I will dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. I say to my soul, soul, delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him. He will do it. He will bring forth your destiny. It will bring forth your righteousness as a light and your judgment as a noonday sun. Say, soul, rest in the Lord. Say, my soul, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't be anxious because of other people's progress. Don't be anxious because you seem to be behind. Cease from anger. Do not fret. It only leads to wrongdoing. But trust in the Lord and he will bless you. Obey his will for your life and you will never be disappointed. Say, I hear. Say it again. I hear this and I walk by it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will fulfill the will of God. I will not be anxious. I will fulfill the will of God. Anxiety is not my portion. I will rest in the Lord. And he will establish my destiny. Give him thanks. Just give him. Say, Lord, I thank you. 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 Say, Lord, I give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. If you were sick, that sickness is gone. Listen, I don't care the kind of sickness it is. I don't mean it's just malaria. No, malaria too is gone. But diabetes is also gone. 
kidney failure is gone. Amen. Broken bones is gone. Amen. Stroke's brain is gone. Amen. You understand what I mean by that? In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The eyes not seen clearly. I command it to open now in the name of Jesus. Strength to your bones from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Amen. Listen, God has set you free so you can serve him. Amen. Now that you have determined to serve him, there's no reason why you'll be in bondage. Amen. Freedom is your portion. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I speak to that asthma in those lungs. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Amen. I command stomach ulcer. Disappear in the name of Jesus. Amen. Every portion of your body receive health. Amen. Because Jesus paid for it. Amen. From now on, you will enjoy health. Amen. And listen to this also. Whatever you put your hands to do, it will prosper. Amen. God will lead you to the place of your own rest. There you will put your hands to do something and it will prosper. In the name of Jesus Christ. Goodness will be with you. Mercy will not depart from you. In the name of Jesus we are praying. Father, we give you praise for today. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's share the grace in fellowship. That's open to page 11 if you don't know it by heart. Just there in your magazine. Just come from the back one page in. The bottom of that page. You see at the close of meetings is how we share the grace in unison. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, bless somebody around you. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. Two more people. This is your season. One last person, please. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. One last one for yourself. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth.